So it is good to honor others, isn't it? Because it's biblical, most of all. I mean, it makes sense and it's logical for the sacrifice of others when they serve us and when they serve someone else. But it's actually a great biblical concept to honor one another above ourselves. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? We said that that great principle of honoring God, and when we do this, he honors us. And in that honor that we have from God in our identity as his son or daughter, and that we're loved and forgiven, we then have the ability to be humble enough to honor others above ourselves and to lift others up and to serve them. And we have a story from the Gospel of Mark today that really talks about honoring. It's these four men that are honoring a paralyzed friend or brother, we're not really sure, someone very close to them, and honoring them enough to serve his need and bring him to Jesus. And so we're going to look at this story. It's found in Mark chapter 2. The verses won't be on the screen, but a couple images will. And maybe they'll help you picture what was going on that day when these men brought their friend to Jesus. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So Jesus is at home in the crowd, as they always did, followed him because he taught with authority. He taught like they had never heard. He did things they'd never seen anyone do, even the greatest of prophets. There was these healings that happened, these, these raising people from the dead that Jesus did. And these four men that day thought, if this is who Jesus is, what we've seen with our eyes or heard with our ears, we have to get our friend to him. Maybe Jesus would heal him too. They knew Jesus came to bring the message of the kingdom, that there is forgiveness in his name, that he brought the power of the kingdom because they likely had heard and, like I said, seen some miracles already. Even early on in his ministry, it started to happen. All kinds of diseases, casting out demons. And then we know calming the seas, walking on the water, raising others from the dead. His whole ministry was marked with the miraculous, showing he was God's son. And they thought in their heart, we have the faith to believe that God can do it again through Jesus. That Jesus, maybe he is the Messiah. Maybe he's the one that the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 61.1 spoke about. 
This one that would come and heal the blind and the lame and release people from the captivity of sin. Maybe it's now and this is him and we're seeing him with our own eyes. Think about waiting for years, hundreds of years, having these prophecies that you studied as a good Jew, knowing that one day the Messiah would come and this is what he would look like. And they're going like, this is what he's doing. We got to get our friend to Jesus and we got to get him there right now. But they realized that there were some obstacles. When they got to the house, it was crowded, right? They couldn't even get in the door. Packed. What are we going to do? Well, it's obvious. Go to the roof. Remove the roof. (laughs) I mean, just nothing was going to stop them. It didn't matter what the obstacles was. Their faith carried them through and past the obstacle. The obstacle of the roof. The obstacle of the crowd. Maybe even those, you know, questions like, well, Jesus want us to interrupt. You know, what if he's got something more important going on and They just kind of busted through all that in their desperation and in their faith to lift their friend, or maybe it was a family member, we don't really know, to Jesus, that Jesus would touch him and do a miracle in his life. Nothing was going to stop the faith of these four men that day. Let me ask you a question and ask myself a question. Do you demonstrate Bold faith in bringing others to Jesus like that? You think of people in your life that may be going through a struggle. You know that they have a tough set of circumstances. They may not even know the Lord. Do you have that kind of boldness? Like, nothing's going to stop me from showing them the love of Christ. I'll bust through whatever roof, whatever obstacle is there. Because they need experience in their heart what Jesus is like. They may have a misconception. They may not have ever had a Christian, a real live, Holy Spirit-filled Christian come and serve their need or show love or encouragement to them. That needs to be me. That needs to be us, right, together. They had faith that day to get through the obstacles or maybe whatever peer pressure or cultural pressure was there. We experience that too, don't we? Get nervous about what other people will think. Boy, we don't want to be labeled a crazy Christian. We don't want to do something overtly spiritual and name the name of Jesus. Maybe we can just be a kind of a good neighbor from a distance or not real up close and personal, not get next to that person and humble ourselves and lift them and honor them through our love and attention. Those four men were honoring God. They were honoring their friend and bringing him to Jesus. Because of their faith, they were willing to be bold regardless of what people would think regardless of misconceptions, family dynamics, their own schedules, those things that sometimes get in our way. They just had love for this man. And they were banking on the fact that Jesus would pour out his love on them too, and even more than they would ever even understand. They were hoping that they would be a recipient of a miracle for their friend. And that's what we're called to. You know, if we would go out and start this inviting of people into our hearts, you know, inviting and opening our homes, being the type of men and women that would recognize a need and say, I can do something about that need. I can carry a corner of a bed. I can grab that rope. I can help this person. I can sacrifice more for this this neighbor. I can get alongside this person at work that other people don't want anything to do with. I can ask God to help me be Christ to them. That's what they did that day, and I think it's a great challenge as we think about this story and what those men 
went through and their boldness? Will we open our heart and listen to the pain of another person? Or maybe listen to their dream? Sometimes it's a dream they just want to tell someone, that you care enough about their dreams, not just your own. Sometimes it's some big pain, some hurt, some something in their life that's screaming out for someone to say, I can look past that. I, I want to help you. Or maybe I can help you with that situation. Or I know the one who can help. And we do something to show the love of Christ and point them to Christ. That we do something to serve them in a way. Sometimes you just serve quietly. You don't say a thing. Other times you may not have a lot to serve. You're listening here. Other times you speak a truth or you speak an encouragement and remind someone of something about God or his goodness or what he did in your life in some way that might encourage them to have faith to believe God for the same thing. So do you demonstrate bold faith in bringing others to Jesus that they could experience his love like you have? I know one thing for sure. For us to do that, we all need to slow down. It's one thing I think I hear more than anything else when I ask people how they're doing. What do you hear? How you doing, right? What's the, what, what do you hear more than anything else? How you doing? Okay, usually it's good or fine, and then what? So busy. So busy. What if we all just said, God, we're always going to be busy. But what if we're busy about the things that would make an impact in someone else's life? What if we're, we say, sure, my life and my day this week is full, but I want it to be full of the things that would touch someone else in the name of Christ. I want to get next to, next to someone with a need and lift them up. I want to serve. I want to be available. And in order to do that, we've got to slow down. And as some writers have said, we've got to build margin into our life. We can't just pack, you know, this appointment, then to this need, and then to this, and I got to get to the gym, and then I got to get here, and then I got to, and our whole day, you basically are back-to-back me's, back-to-back I's, back-to-back my life and agenda. There's no margin, nothing wrong with some of those things, right? But if we don't have margin to slow down and lift, help lift with some others the needs of someone in Christ or someone to Christ, then we're probably way too busy or busy with the wrong things or just a little off balance. When you go to the gym, you stand on those funny half balls with a piece of plywood on them, right? What are you trying to do? Trying to find your balance, right? You're trying to just stabilize and then you're supposed to do curls while you're on that kind of monkey business. Like, and just, But what's the point? It's just like finding balance. Your core is just like the core of who we should be should be balanced with, yes, are the things that we wrestle with in need, but also the needs of others. Put ourselves aside and say, okay, Lord, what, what might you want to do? I have some time I can help this person. And it doesn't have to be huge. Something simple done in the name of Christ with his kindness and compassion is so powerful because most people are too busy to do it. So you show up and you actually do it. You get their attention and it actually reflects who Jesus is. But what if you feel like you're the man on the bed? You've been paralyzed by something in your life. Your heart's just sad. You feel some spiritual dryness. You, you have your own stuff. You're, addic- you're addicted. I'm breathing at the wrong times, have you noticed? <laughs> you're addicted to something that's getting a hold on you. You're, you're finding a struggle you, you can't get past in order to help someone else. You've, you've got a relational tension that you keep praying about and focusing on it, and, and you can't sleep because of it, but you, you're not free, and you're just like, I, I'm, I'm being paralyzed by these 
situations, my own hurt, something I've caused in someone else's life or a sin that's hurt me. And you're going, well, someone lift me to Jesus. I'm that paralyzed person. I need others to take me to Jesus because I'm weak. I'm weak in faith right now. I'm, I'm not seeing clearly. I'm living more by fear and anxiety than anything else. I need Jesus, and I need him to touch me. That's the most awesome thing to admit to God. Because when you're at that place, you're being a real person, and you're opening your real heart and life to the real one and only true God that has the power to change that in your life. The one that can come in and bring his healing to your lameness, who can touch that area where you need to have hope instead of sadness or anxiety who can actually come and give you strength to live in freedom and to conquer whatever is getting the best of you that's slowing you down and taking you off off mission, off loving God and loving others to what we're called to. So when you just say, Lord, that's me, then just tell some other people around you. Why do you think we have life groups, men's and women's studies, different types of gatherings, you know, groups of two or three or four guys or gals that meet around God's word and fellowship. Why do we do that? Well, it's just what Christians do. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's very profound. Yes, it's what we do because we have the Word of God, which gives us instruction and wisdom and hope because it's God's Word to us in our lives. But we're with other people so that when we're weak, they can be strong for us and with us. And so when they're mourning, we can join them in their mourning. And when they're rejoicing, we're right there celebrating with them. We can do whatever we need to, with God's help, to respond to where they're at. And guess what the other people should be doing in the life group or that study? They should be looking to Jesus for what your need might be, what my need might be. And then what happens? A beautiful thing happens. Everybody's needs get met, but no one has to be selfish. is that awesome? It's like a good marriage. Just go 100% to them. Not like, well, I went, I served them, I went this far, where well, they give coming back toward me. Well, I'll go a little further, but boy, if they don't return the favor, if they don't reciprocate, I'm done. I'm pulling back. I'll wait for them to serve me and love me now. It's like, you go 100% in your marriage, or you should, with God's help. They go 100% toward you, with God's help. Do you think you might overlap in the middle somewhere? Yeah, sure. And maybe you overlap 100%, 100%. And you're loving one another and serving each other's needs. And no one has to be demanding or manipulating or selfish. You get to be selfless and yet meet needs. That's what the body of Christ is designed to do. That's why we have all those one another's in Scripture. Can you think of some of them right now? Love one another. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Honor one another. Were those four men doing that for their friend that day? What do you think? hundred times, yes. Loving, honoring, encouraging, serving them, bringing them to Jesus. So all it really requires is us to get past ourself, to get past the pride of not wanting to appear perfect and altogether and strong to other people that know us, to kind of chuck the mask, just go, yeah, I have needs. And in fact, right now I have a huge need, and I'm really discouraged by this going on at work. And I'm I don't know what's going to happen. I could get fired. I could quit. I'm so discouraged. I got this boss situation. I got this employee situation. You just open that up to other people that know you, that love God, who can do what? They can lift you to Jesus for him to touch you and encourage you. I got this situation in my marriage, and 
Or I got this, and you just open up and you be real with what's really going on. How shocked do you think they're going to be? Scale of 1 to 10. 10 being really, really shocked that you have a situation in your life. How shocked? 1 to 10. Probably about a minus 1. Do you think they're shocked that you have a need and you feel weak in an area of your life that you would need another Christian or someone else to come and support and help you? I would think no one in this room would be shocked because you know your own stuff. So you're not, if you shared it, you know they won't be shocked. They just might feel very honored that you would be honest enough to say, would you pray for me? Could you come help me with this? You know, I don't know the word. Would you come help me learn the word? I, would you just come alongside me? You know, how do you do this in marriage? What are you doing in your parenting? Because I think you do a pretty good job from what I've seen, but I'm like dying. And you just become a real person around people that are willing to lift the bed and take you to Jesus. Now, that could be just a prayer, one conversation, an email, a text. That could be in your life group opening up. It could just be on a Sunday morning and you're sharing a donut and you meet someone and you just go, you know, I just feel like I need some prayer. Could, could I just share something with you real quick? And you do that. But what if we were the kind of people that said, yeah, there are times where I'm feeling paralyzed and weak and I need the strength of brothers and sisters in Christ to help, to pray, to come alongside, to walk through this period. My mom's health is failing and this and that, and so would you walk with me? Or, you know, this is going on with my child and they're just really straying and struggling and would you just pray? Could you, could you call me and check in on me? I, I got this addiction issue here and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I... I have to open it up because it's just eating me alive and it's destroying a part of my marriage or relationship or my ability to work. And I, God, help me. And would you help take me to God? Would you be that brother or sister in Christ? That's vulnerability. The fastest way for two hearts to connect in the presence of the Lord is to be comfortable with brokenness. Two hearts that are willing to be broken. And that, that should be with your best friend and with your spouse for sure. But how about, you know, with some others? And you can say, and would you pray for me about that? Sometimes you need another dude if you're a guy just to confide in or a woman with another gal. You just need that small group. Or you need, like our life group. We, ce- we celebrated our kind of our whole year this season in our life group. And one couple shared how absolutely vital it was in the last couple of months that this life group surrounded them as she was watching her brother struggle for life and ultimately he died. And she told the rest of the life group last Thursday night how much it meant to be loved on and checked up on and prayed for through this whole period. When they were here, when they were gone in Florida, and when they were going to Memorial, the whole period was just covered in prayer. We just surrounded them. Then I went to the next couple and they shared how it meant so much when he suddenly went into the hospital for what seemed like it would be a day, ends up being five days, and how many calls, and how many texts, and how many visits, and how much love they received that they so needed at their point of crisis. So wait, that, that's the body of Christ, right? And then there was a gal who called the church. She didn't know what to do because she was kind of panicking because she had to make this move, and she couldn't do it herself. She didn't have any help. And um, the church responded, and I guess a, a few guys came together and helped her move. And this was a quote from her. She said, I was so scared and worried about moving. Here, people, meaning Cornerstone, come to help without hesitation. 
Thank you for three guys who were helping me, and we were also together praying. Can you imagine facing a move wondering, I, I got nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do. How, literally, how am, I can't. Call the church. Three people show up at your house the next day, a work day, and serve you and lift your need to Jesus, and the move happens. And then they pray with you. Is that rocket science? Yes or no? <laughs> no. It's simple stuff. It just takes someone saying yes, choosing to sacrifice and put their agenda aside for God's agenda in that person's life and the power of his love and his touch in each of those situations in this gal's life. Pretty profound. She will never, ever forget it. Do you think she'll respond to someone else's need that could be similar to hers? Yes or no? Yes. What did it take? I have to be vulnerable. Reach out. Let people in to serve. I get lifted up and strengthened and so encouraged. Now I'm set up for the time when they have a need or someone else has a need or someone at work. Instead of like, oh, geez, I hope I can just ignore and walk by this person so they don't notice it. You, really, you stop. You slow down and you stop and you do something you can do in the name of the Lord. That's living an adventure, right? And let me ask you, are we living in a spiritual battle? Yes or no? What do you think? Is it a spiritual battle? Do we have an enemy? Yes, we have an enemy. Satan wants to discourage and destroy your faith and tempt you and get you off track so that you won't seek first Christ and his kingdom. Anything, anything that they can do except seeking Christ is okay. Even if it's a good thing, as long as it's not seeking Christ, then, then I've won a victory. Satan wants to destroy your faith, pull you away from God, discourage you, beat you down. You just have to recognize you're in a spiritual battle. Scripture is very clear. God has made that clear. He says, put on the armor every day. And then he tells the rest of us as we put on the armor, we got to lock arms. We have to serve one another, honor one another, encourage one another, lift one another, and do what? When we're feeling paralyzed, we need to tell God, and we need to tell our friends, and they take us to Jesus, and we feel his touch and his strength, and we keep going. Right? We're in a spiritual battle. We can't ever forget that. So when you see someone who has a need, you reach out, you do what you can do, demonstrating bold faith. When you're the one needing that, you let other people know. Humble yourself. They're not going to be shocked. And it's so wonderful when others can come and meet your need. They feel like, wow, what an honor that you would ask me and that God could actually use someone like me. I mean, I don't even, I just, and, and, yeah, and God used you. And they were changed and we'll never forget it. And you just keep pointing people to the strength that's in Christ. Look at these verses. Psalm, or no, sorry, Galatians 6.2 first. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So that one another, we see it right there. There's a sense of there's a, a burden that someone else may be carrying that could be crushing. Then you come alongside and help. Later in, these, in the same chapter, in a couple of verses, it says we should bear our own loan, but we should help with the burden of others. There are some responsibilities you have to carry for yourself, your job and your relationship and in your marriage, right? And... It's kind of like carrying a chair, if you will. You have to kind of carry that chair. You have, that's part of what God has placed in your life to be responsible, to grow, to mature, to build strength. But there are times when you've got to move the couch. And you're not doing that yourself. And you have to go like, hey, can someone help me lift the couch and, or the dresser? And we've got to get it from there to there. And you go, wow, there's that sense of the burden that I carry with God's strength and I look to him to help me. And then there are other times I need to open that need up and get others to rally around me and build the barn with me. Lift the couch. Attack this issue. Pray for me regularly because 
I'm so discouraged. I'm so sad. I'm so fearful. I'm so whatever it is. What a great calling and responsibility that is, though, right? That's like really important that we know each other well enough when someone's slipping or they're discouraged and we ask and then they say, yeah, or they come to us and we respond in Christ, in Christ's power. That's fulfilling the law of Christ. The law of Christ, to love God and to love others. And then we point them to Jesus. These two verses are great verses. I often use these with people that are going through kind of any hardship or grief. These are really good verses. If, you, if you're not familiar with these, write them down. Take a picture of the screen right now. Um, mark your Bible. And just have these at the ready. Super powerful verses. Truths of God. God is a refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. And the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. How often do people need refuge and strength? People that you know in your life. How often? All the time, really, because there's always something that makes them feel weak or frustrated or fearful or anxious, okay? Just like you. Wouldn't it be awesome if we represented the present help of the Lord through just being present with them and being willing to pray? Wouldn't it be awesome just to think that God would have us be the illustration and demonstration of his very present help through your body, (laughs) through your smile, through your hands and your feet and your strength of your back or your knees in prayer to remind them that God sees their broken heart as you do and much better. And he wants to use you to help bring healing, wholeness, love. They're feeling so crushed in their spirit and you're there as a physical presence reminding them that God's there for them. And he's always going to be present. Even when you leave, he remains with them. Is that awesome? What a promise. What a God we have. And what a truth we can share with others. When they're feeling weak, that God is their refuge and strength of very present help in their trouble. That the Lord is near to them and will heal their broken heart and save them from being crushed in spirit and destroyed. He will lift them up and rebuild and create new things in their life as they turn to him. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Being a tangible representation of Christ. But then, you know, the person on the the bed has to believe. When you're down, when you're discouraged, when you're feeling something is paralyzing your faith, your ability to move forward or give the love of God or just feel alive in Christ... You know, do you believe that Jesus can heal your hurt and forgive your sin? Do you believe that? There may be some of you here today that have never actually placed your faith in that truth that Jesus wants to come into your life and forgive your sin and, and rescue you and strengthen you. You've maybe heard about it or you think, well, that's good for those people because they're better, a better person than I am. It's not true of God. We're all the same before him. We all have sin. We all need a Savior. But like this lame man that day, he knew, Jesus knew his need to be forgiven of his sin and have this healing. He gave them both because they expressed faith in Jesus for that. Those scribes that day, those religious leaders that were questioning in their hearts, and Jesus knew it. He said, why are you questioning that I can forgive this man, that the Son of Man can forgive this man? What would be easier, just saying that, that you're forgiven or or healing the man? Well, Obviously, obviously, rhetorical question. Well, yeah, it's a lot harder. Just heal him. 
so that you know I have authority to forgive sins, I'm also going to heal them. I'm going to show you I'm God in flesh, the Messiah, fulfilling all these prophecies. Rise up, take your bed and go home. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Has it ever hit you before what he called that man? Son, because his sins are forgiven, he came into a relationship with God, the Father, the creator of the universe. Through the Son, Jesus, who was right there, declaring that truth and those words to his ears in present time. And he does that again today. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, all you have to do is have the faith in his promise and in his truth that he would forgive you. And that he can touch your life and heal your life. Psalm 103, the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Isn't it awesome to think about the benefits of God? Isn't it crazy to think of all the benefits that guy on that bed in his paralysis was going to receive from God? He chose to heal him that day of his physical malady. Sometimes he does that now in our lives, and sometimes it's like, no, that will come in heaven. We'll let God decide that because we can't tell him. We can ask. But we know every time we bring our sin to God, or when we do, he forgives us. That man experienced the blessing of the Lord. His soul would be forever changed. He will never forget those benefits of God that came to him that day. Is that how you are experiencing your walk with God? Are you thanking him for the benefits of his forgiveness and his healing and his redemption and his crowning love and steadfast mercy? Well, we can. We're just being reminded again today to do that. I'm being reminded again, and I've said it twice in two services, I'm being reminded. I need to live with so much gratefulness to God that that day I cried out from my heart that Christ would forgive me, he did. And he called me a son. And that's for eternity. That's my identity. And when you did that, that's your identity. A son or a daughter of the king. But if you haven't done that, today's your day to do that. I believe that's why God brought you here. To cry out from your heart, forgive me, God, for I am a sinner and I need you to be my savior. Come into my life. Lead my life now. I want all these promises to be true about me. I want that identity as a child of God. 1 John 1.9 says you can pray that and be assured that he will forgive you. It says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is God's promise. It's very powerful. It's very simple but it requires you to just humble your heart before God, tell him what he already knows, <laughs> that you are a sinner, that you need his forgiveness, that you, your life and your choices, like all of us, have offended him as a holy, perfect, and just God. And you want Jesus and his blood, his righteousness, to kind of wash over you and cover you. So when the Father looks at you, he looks through, if you will, the prism of Jesus' love and his righteousness and his grace and his mercy and what God the Father sees because of Jesus cleansing you is a righteous son, a righteous daughter. If that's for you today, cry out from your heart to him. And then get ready because when he's changed your heart, 
you will look at people differently. You can't walk by a hurting person. You, you might, but you won't be able to forget it, and you'll be looking for the opportunity to get back to that person to make it right in your own heart before God. You'll be looking for opportunities to lift someone and their need to Jesus. You'll be longing for opportunities to share the love of Christ through a compassionate or kind action, through sacrificial service because you've built in enough margin to respond to those people that day that God has you intersecting with. He orchestrates every event in your life, doesn't he? Yes or no? Is it random? Are we out there living random lives and it's by chance and, oh, good, good luck, maybe it'll happen, oh, I was fortunate, oh, so happened that, or is this designed and orchestrated by God? Scripture says it's designed and orchestrated by God. So who's he going to put in your life this afternoon that you can lift to Jesus or serve or encourage in some way? Or who is he going to put you around that you can be open with and say, would you pray for me? Would you help me through this period of my life or this situation? Because I'm not forgetting his benefits. I'm, I'm remembering that he's a God who forgives iniquity and heals diseases and redeems lives. And I need it. And I know he's crowned me with his love and I need to feel it and I need to give it and all those truths together. So be the men that lift other people's needs in Christ to the God who can do the miraculous. Be the one, and there are times when you'll be spiritually dry and weak and really struggling and you're on the bed. Let other people know. Let them lift you so that you can experience the touch and the strengthening, the ever-present help in your trouble as they lift you to Jesus. Either way, it's a win Win, 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 win. That's the way God designed it. What if we had the faith to believe it and then step into this? What would we see God do? What if a person who is far from God and doesn't know God got brought into a church by you when all of this was going on, when they saw the real love, encouragement, compassion, and mercy, and self-sacrifice happening in relationships all around this room, this lobby, that men's event, that breakfast, that retreat, that church in the park. What if people in the community are far from God saw that? What do you think they'd think? I bet you they'd go, hmm. Maybe there's something to this God. Maybe, just maybe, because I'm seeing a lot I've never seen before. Before, I'm seeing some pretty convincing, loving proof. What if we were that people? Let's be that people. Let's grab the bed. Let's grab the rope. Let's lift others to Jesus. We're on the bed. Let's ask others to lift us and see God meet all of our needs as we serve one another sacrificially. We're going to have a time now to seek the Lord. We're going to have two songs. Uh, Jason's going to come up and lead us. And it's a time to uh, just pour your heart out to the Lord, to receive him as Savior if that's what the Lord's leading you to do today to let someone you know that you're sitting alongside that you have a need in your life and just have them pray for you right there in the seat in your row, whoever it is. We're going to have the prayer team come up and they'll be up here for both songs. And they're willing to pray and that's why they're there, to come and lift you up before the Lord. And I want to encourage you to step out in faith and believe, to step out in faith and be available to pray for someone right now. The prayer team will pray and we'll stick around as long as there's needs and to pray. And I want to tell you one more thing. There's no shame what the enemy wants you to believe is that, oh, you have a need? 
And other people will see that you're going for prayer? And you live in fear of, well, I wonder what their struggle is. Oh, it's just like yours. Maybe not even as bad, <laughs> right? We could get past those fears and that shame and that junk that's from the enemy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Freedom today. Freedom to be real. Freedom to pray for one another. Freedom to come for prayer. Freedom to worship from your heart. And freedom to call out and ask God to forgive you and be Lord of your life. All of that we're going to do in the next few minutes as we sing together, as we have an offering. Feel free to just pray where you are. Come up for the prayer team. Come up front. Kneel. Do what you want to do as the Lord leads you. Let's go to Jesus together. You ready? Father in heaven, we call out for you. Where we call out for you in faith, Lord, you respond. We humble ourselves before you. We are a weak people, God. We're a people that struggle with sin. But thank you, Jesus, you came to forgive us of sin and be our righteousness. We don't have to pretend. We're not trying to be good enough for you. We are good because we're in Christ. You're our goodness, righteousness, and holiness, Jesus. Thank you. We wrap ourselves in Christ today. And we thank you, Lord, that you meet our needs and you do it miraculously. You do it through your word. You do it through one another as we open our hearts to each other. So Lord, do that now. May there be prayer happening all across this room. Lord, may we just be so comfortable in your presence and so willing to receive from you and to serve one another. But if you're sitting here today and you know you've been paralyzed by your sin, just cry out to God. Say, Lord, I confess my sin to you, all my sin. There's a lot. Forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Give me a new heart. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me so I can live God's way now and follow Jesus. I want to be a child of God. Accept me, God. Make me your son. Forgive me, Jesus. Make me your daughter for all eternity. I want to be your child. If you prayed that prayer, just thank him. Make sure you let someone know in the next couple minutes. Praise the Lord. And Lord, now these songs are for you. These prayers are for you. These moments of just seeking your face and fixing our eyes on Jesus are all for your glory. Be lifted up in this time, King Jesus.